The American Thoracic Society. We help the world breathe. Hello, I'm Dr. Dean Schroffnagel, outgoing senior deputy editor of the Annals of the American Thoracic Society. Today I'm speaking with Dr. John Hansenflaschen, professor of medicine at the University of Pennsylvania. Dr. Hansenflaschen was the founding editor-in-chief of the Annals of the American Thoracic Society. I caught up with him just after his term as Annals editor was finishing. Uh, Dr. Hansenflaschen, uh, welcome. Tell me a little bit about the start of the journal. What was its purpose? Who was the audience? And how did it begin? Dean, I'd be glad to, and thanks for this opportunity. But you actually may have a little better information about the earliest beginnings of the journal because you were in ATS leadership at the time. Oh, yes. Thank you. Yes. Well, one of the reasons I ran for ATS leadership was that I was involved in leadership in the Chicago Thoracic Society and many ATS committees and was frequently being told by members outside the ATS leadership that the ATS was not an organization for practicing physicians. They said the conference was the best place to present research and the journal was the best pulmonary journal for research, but it often only had a few articles for clinicians. They said this, that coming, the, the coming of the Red Journal em, emphasized the research focus of the ATS. About the same time, Melissa Matosian, the ATS staff person in charge of membership, membership, conducted a survey of ATS members and found that the vast majority of them were involved in clinical activities. On further discussion with the ATS Executive Committee and the ATS Board of Directors, we decided to start a new clinical journal. We had also discussed a patient journal and had many discussions on the format of the journal. Among other things we learned was that the many ATS members were writing good clinical material but had difficulty uh, getting it published in the blue journal. Because uh, the the uh, PubMed had listed PATS, or the Proceedings of the American Thoracic Society, um, already we decided to use that publication and to transform it. This is pretty much the status when I left my year as ATS president in 2011. John, maybe you could pick up the story from there. Yes, Dean. The ATS released a request for applications to become the editor of the newly formatted journal. I applied along with more than 20 other people and was selected to uh, be the first editor. Uh, and uh, in my appointment letter was a very simple charge. The new journal was to serve the needs of clinicians in pulmonary, critical care, and sleep medicine. Now that's almost a blank slate. Uh, to work on, and uh, where to begin with, with such a, a, a broad, non-confining uh, charge? <clears throat> Started by uh, trying to refine a little bit more what were the needs of clinicians for a new journal, and went back to the to the complaints that had led uh, to serious discussion of uh, of changing the third journal into a new direction. 
clinical scientists at that time were complaining that they had limited or no realistic opportunity at all to publish in ATS journals. And, and at the same time, clinicians were complaining that ATS journals published limited content of interest to them in support of direct patient care. So as we started to uh, conceive of the new journal, wanted very much to try to meet those two needs that had given rise uh, to this new opportunity. Yeah. It, it, did you, however, did it cross your mind, or were you uh, concerned that this would be a, a Blue Journal Light or Blue Journal Junior Varsity, someplace to uh, uh, send papers that didn't get into the Blue Journal? And how did you react to that? Yes, Dean. At that time, there was uh, much enthusiasm from a number of people uh, to modify uh, Pats into a new journal, but others others uh, predicted that any new journal in the ATS family would, on the clinical side, would end up being uh, a place to publish articles that weren't good enough to get into Blue. It would look like Blue, uh, but be um, the second ranking of articles. And of course, that's not what we wanted a new journal to be. Uh, and I really thought about what is the Blue Journal and what we might have to be to differentiate ourselves. Uh, uh, Blue Journal, for 100 years, has sought to publish transformative research with the goal of being the most scientifically impactful journal in respiratory, critical care, and sleep medicine. Uh, we couldn't possibly uh, compete with uh, Blue Journal or other leading established journals with the goal of uh, being as uh, impactful in original research uh, as we possibly could. So, so we turned it upside down and thought this journal would be decisively not impact factor. Uh, we'd be mindful of impact factor, but not chase it as a primary goal. And that opened us up uh, to set a, a set of goals that we thought uh, would fill essential needs of our clinical and scientific community. We wanted the journal to encompass all of the clinically applicable content and research methods of the ATS International Conference, including niche interests that don't generate a whole lot of citations, but may be very important for some groups of patients. Also public health and health policy. And we saw particular opportunities to serve some emerging communities of clinicians and scholars, including uh, the communities of international of interventional pulmonology and uh, scholarly medical educators. As a second goal, we aim to offer a rich spectrum of features in various formats designed to inform and educate active clinicians. In fact, we set out to devote about half the pages of the journal to features. Those featured contents expanded with discussion to include educational case conferences and also articles written by patients and family members under a heading on the receiving end. As a third goal, I, I wanted this journal to be particularly well-written. Uh, 
We wanted it to be read uh, by people seeking information as well as those uh, seeking uh, references for their own articles. So aim to be as well written as uh, we possibly could, aiming to come close to the quality of the writing in preeminent internal medicine journal. And then a fourth goal was to carry forward the mission of the proceedings of the American Thoracic Society in publishing premier uh, uh, proceedings of international conferences. So we wanted to do that as well. Huh. I uh, I know, and I, I smiled when you say about the, the quality of the writing, but I, I think that's something we're known for. And I, I also know that at times you've almost rewritten some of the articles that were great articles, but written so poorly that they would uh, not be read very often. Uh, John, tell me what went into setting it up. Indeed, I'll confess at this point that I put a lot of work uh, with word track changes uh, into manuscripts uh, over the several years, back and forth with authors uh, uh, aiming to uh, have a consistency and a quality to the writing. Uh, well, once we had once we had uh, goals in mind, the next big step was to assemble an editorial team. Uh, modern full-size journals uh, often represent the collaborative effort of a hundred or more uh, editors and editorial board members, and all those people had to be built from scratch for this new journal. Uh, first thing, and uh, the wisest thing I did was turn to you, Dean, and ask that you become the senior deputy editor and, in effect, my partner in conceiving and building and managing the journal from that point forward. Really the best decision I made. Uh, in addition to that, I asked Adam Warner, who had served uh, actively on the editorial staff of PATS, to come in and serve as the editor of the new journal's supplements to carry forward the mission of PATS. Then together, we identified five deputy editors covering the broad spectrum of content of the journal, Jules Allen for pediatrics, David Letterer for uh, pulmonary medicine, Michelle Gong to lead our efforts in critical care, Dan Sturman for interventional pulmonology and lung cancer, and Pat Strollo for uh, sleep medicine and hypoventilatory disorders. That turned out to be very wise choices as well. The group of us met in New York, started discussions about how to flush out the journal, and together we built an editorial staff of about 22 associate editors and an editorial board that uh, swelled to about 80 members altogether. It's probably the most important thing we did was uh, assemble out of scratch this group of individuals who turned out to be very dedicated uh, in service to a journal that didn't exist in the beginning and uh, was uh, in its infancy for the first several years. The, another, wow. another challenge of, of setup was what to name the new journal. It wasn't going to be Pat's, what should it be? Several ideas came forward. Monica Kraft, who was then the president of ATS, championed one of the options, Annals of the American Thoracic Society, and we settled on that name rather than some alternatives, 
by clinical journal of the American Thoracic Society so that we could maintain the broadest possible scope in our content. Uh, we uh, had to come up with an abbreviation as well. Uh, AATS stands for the American Association of Thoracic Surgeons. We couldn't use that. Simply annals refers to annals of internal medicine. So the, the, the abbreviation we came up with was annals ATS, written as one word. And uh, that certainly is unique to our journal and carried forward as our shorthand name. Wow. Well, tell me, tell us about your early days. How did you attract content for the first issue? Yeah. Well, Dean, uh, I was uh, appointed into this role in April 1, 2012. We set a goal of publishing our first issue early in 2013. And uh, um, starting out was, was really quite terrifying, like, throwing a big, expensive, high-visibility party and then wondering if anybody's ever going to come. Uh, ATS uh, did publish notices inviting submissions to the new journal, and you and I and others talked it up amongst our friends, but uh, nothing came forward initially. And then uh, we received a, a very nice submission by Erica Lundgren and others in Serpel Erzurum's group at the Cleveland Clinic. And that was our first accepted original research article. And to publish their, uh, their breakthrough submission to a totally uh, unknown, unseen uh, journal, we published a nightscape photo of the Cleveland Clinic on the cover of that first issue, which was published in February 2013. Altogether, there was a whopping three original search articles, 13 items altogether. One of those, was simply a transcript of the 2012 ATS Presidential Symposium Speaker's Address by Michael Rosenblatt, who was at that time Chief Medical Officer at Merck. Michael talked about how academia and industry, pharmaceutical industry, can work together. Uh, and, and that was our first special article. Now, both of those articles ended up doing very well for us. Uh, Erica Lundgren's first accepted paper has generated more than 30 citations to date, and uh, Michael Rosenblatt's essay was one of the most read articles that we've uh, published in the first four years. Uh, other articles in that first issue did well, and I think people saw that. Uh, the uh, submissions started to come in and grew from there. And, you know, one of the features or the now really a hallmark of the Annals of the American Thoracic Society is its focus on education. Um, this caught me a little by surprise because I, uh, I was aware that there was more and more interest in education, but I just didn't think, I didn't realize uh, how we could focus on that or how the journal could, could uh make that a major theme. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how this came about. Yes, Dean. Uh, as you know, I'm not a career scientist. I'm a clinician educator, rose to be a division chief at a research institution. So I have a broad perspective, but at heart, I'm a clinician educator. And uh, in the early months of the journal, I saw the emergence of a community of likewise 
like-minded clinician educators aiming to build careers for themselves in academic medical education, research and scholarship on how to teach better. So uh, after talking with our, our other uh, editors, including you, came up with the idea of publishing an annual theme issue devoted entirely to the process of medical education. And we turned to Henry to Hank Fessler uh, at Hopkins to be the guest editor for that issue. Together, uh, Hank and you and I uh, reached out, invited submissions. And we were delighted to receive considerably more than enough submissions to fill a first whole issue uh, devoted to medical education with a variety of topics and content from original research into practical how-to articles. That was very well received. We got a lot of favorable feedback from it and uh, put together a second and a third annual issue. And I would really like to think that um, Annals ATS helped uh, catalyze and promote a community of scholars uh, that uh, will become very prominent and influential uh, in medical education in years to come. I, I think uh, uh, there's deep appreciation in the education or the academic education uh, community for this. So did the journal meet your expectations? Uh, how was it as it developed? Uh, I can't tell you how terrifying the, not only the first issue was, but the first couple of years. Uh, there are a number of very fine, very well-established, very competitive journals within respiratory and critical care medicine. From a cold start, pretty much, how could we ever get there? Well, it's a lot of hard work from a whole lot of people and wonderful support from ATS leadership. Many of the early articles uh, included as co-authors, uh, then current or recent previous ATS presidents and others in senior leadership. It was a big boost. Uh, at the end of our fourth year of publication, we were way beyond my expectations uh, by all of the available measures. In 2016, we received more than 1,000 submissions to the journal. And uh, that year, we published as many pages as the Blue Journal and as many pages a year as Chest and did so uh, with, a, with uh, a highly competitive acceptance rate. Uh, in 2016, we generated more than 1.3 million full-text views to the online-only journal. And um, by, the, by the end of 2016, the journal had generated more than 1,000 citations uh, in the Scopus database. Uh, so, and, and that number was increasing at a dramatic uh, rate each six-month interval. So uh, the, the journal actually started out very quickly. And uh, by the end of our tenure, Dean uh, has had a, a wonderful trajectory of continued growth that, that I ho hope will carry forward for many years to come. Yeah, I, I think that that's one of the most impressive parts is the, the trajectory, the rise. It's, it's a fairly steep ramp up of all, almost all of the factors we can measure. 
So, John, do you have advice for uh, fellows or junior faculty for publishing in the annals or, for that matter, any any uh, medical journal? Well, Dean, I've given a lot of thought to that. It's absolutely essential in my mind that uh, this new ATS journal be welcoming to fellows and junior faculty as authors as well as readers. And uh, having uh, skimmed or read many, many hundreds of articles uh, over my tenure, I came to think the single most important thing is that fellows and junior faculty members be teamed up with appropriate, committed, dedicated mentors who are skilled in designing and conducting research and very much also in constructing and editing uh, manuscripts. It became very clear and easy to differentiate over time. Those earnest, hardworking, submitting authors who had teamed up with senior co-editors who put time and energy into coaching them and into refining their manuscripts, and those who didn't have access to such people or didn't seek it out. So my uh, single biggest advice is find one or more co-authors with experience designing and conducting research to carry you through that phase, and by all means uh, have senior people, one, two, or three, read the first final version of a manuscript critically as if they're reviewers for a receiving journal. Uh, the journal should be pre-reviewed and refined in, in uh, uh, response to those reviews before it's submitted for publication. Yeah, I think they, I would agree that the um, uh, extra eyes and the eyes of an uh, an advanced or a senior faculty person on a paper are really, uh, really important. And then for the junior person to uh, take suggestions from from the uh, mentors. I, I could also say that um, the mentors and junior faculty or, or even fellows have teamed up as um, reviewers from time to time or not infrequently. And that's been a good experience too where a senior faculty, a, a junior person can review a manuscript, and then the senior pa faculty person can critique, critique or advise on um, how how one uh, reviews manuscripts or referees manuscripts. Uh, John, by all means, uh, Dean, that, that leads to better reviews very often than any single person could produce. Yeah. Are there any other uh, comments you'd like to make? Uh, well, uh, at this point, okay. I'd like to uh, congratulate and uh, wish the very best to our successors, Dean, to uh, David Letterer and to Robert Kotloff, the current uh, editor-in-chief and senior deputy editor, and to the entire new team of uh, deputy and associate editors that will be taking the journal forward for the next five years. I can't wait to see uh, what it looks like at the 10-year mark. Very good. And that will do it for today. I've been speaking with Dr. John Hansenflaschen, Professor of Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania and founding Editor-in-Chief of the Annals of the American Thoracic Society. And we've been talking about the, the beginnings of this new journal. Thank you for listening.